Good morning. Welcome to Evangel. I invite you to sing along with us this morning. your heart we're searching for we want you and nothing more let your glory fill this place we're alive in your presence it's your heart we're searching for we want you and nothing more let your glory fill this place we're alive in your presence. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. standing in your light and our hearts are open wide let us see more than before Lord come have your way here we are standing we are standing in your light and our hearts are open wide let us see more than before Lord come have your way here To you, do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. Consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire fall, fall. you want to do what you want to god we love to see you move do what you want to do what you want to we surrender all to you do what you want to do what you want to god we love to see you move do what you want to do what you want to all consuming Fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire fall, fall on us. And all consuming fire fall, fall on us. All consuming fire. 
Yes, Holy Spirit. Pray that you would come and that you would inflame our hearts with your love, that you would purify us and help us to be more like you. Come, Holy Spirit, with the fire of your love. We open up our hearts to you. Please help us to surrender to you.
the joy of my life You are my song in the night There is no one as true Jesus, I trust in you You are the joy You are the joy of my life You are my song in the night There is no one as true Jesus, I trust in you There is no one There is no one as true Jesus, I trust in you Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. Today, once again, we are live streaming only, so I trust that you're comfortable at home. Uh, it's pretty cold again out there this morning, and I know there's a storm warning for uh, overnight into tomorrow, so here we are on a beautiful cold day. And um, hope you're comfortable enjoying the service and entering in and worshiping right wherever you are today. Just to remind you that uh, next Sunday, we will be back to both in-person and live streaming. So if you intend to uh, be a part of the in-person service next week, uh, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, registration will open for next Sunday, and we just encourage you to register. And uh, otherwise, some of you do call in to register. You can do that this week. Uh, we'll be coming back in person next Sunday. I uh, just want to say about that, there's just a couple of things. Number one, if you personally at this time, you're not feeling really comfortable to come back for a variety of reasons, you're not able to do that right now, we just want you to know that that's okay. Take the time that you need and uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll wait for you and uh, to, to be able to be ready to come back. But for those of you who are ready to come back and you want to come back, we'll be doing that starting next week. To try to keep things as safe as possible, uh, next week when we do gather, we won't be allowing visiting within the building before and after the service like we've been able to do leading up to this latest uh, outbreak. And so we just want to encourage you when you come, just to come, go through your registration and then just go and take your seat and please uh, asking you not to visit with people before or after the service. And of course, we'll, re we'll be requiring, uh, as is the bylaw, that masks be worn. But we're also asking you not just to wear the mask, but to wear it properly so that both your mouth and your nose are covered at all times so that everybody can be safe here. So we look forward to seeing some of you next week and uh, others will we'll look forward to seeing you uh, when you can be here. Normally, uh, at this time, I'd be uh, sending the kids out for their kids' ministry, but because we're live stream only, we have a little something for you this morning. So kids, this is for you. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the service. Good morning, EBC boys and girls. I'm so excited. School is back in person for most, if not all of you. And that is amazing. And when you get to go back to school, you get to sleep. I'm so excited. You get to see your friends, you get to see other students, you get to see teachers, you get to be out of your house. That is fantastic. Now, boys and girls, you're going to be out interacting with people. You're going to be hearing about how their Christmas break was. They're going to be hearing about how your Christmas break was. And I wanted to talk to you about an amazing opportunity. 
If you're like me and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that means you have this amazing gift. And what is one of the most best things about it is that it's a gift that you can share. You can share this gift of who Jesus Christ is and how he died on the cross for your sins so your sins are forgiven. You can have an amazing relationship with God and you can share that with the people around you. And I have a really neat way of showing you how that works. And I know I didn't really learn from last week. This experiment also includes water. So please wish me luck that I don't get water around everywhere again because I think today is going to be a good day. You ready? All right, so what I have for you is this simple paper. Imagine that this blue heart is you and all the other hearts around are your friends, are the teachers, is pretty much anyone you're gonna see at school. Your heart is blue because you have Jesus Christ living in your heart. And the people around you who don't know Jesus, they don't know what it's like to feel his love, to have that relationship, and they just, they don't know. So part of your relationship with Jesus is that he will help you. So he'll help you share and have the words and you know how to share his love and his good news to the people around you. And a really cool way to show that is, imagine you're the heart, the blue is Jesus living inside you, and this water in this bowl is Jesus working in you, helping you to share his good news. There we go. So as you watch, the blue is spreading, it's spreading, it's spreading. It's reaching that first heart. The heart is starting to turn blue. Look really close. I know it's slow, but it's happening. This water is helping carry the blue. So there's still blue in the first heart, but it's helping carry more blue to the rest of the hearts. And that is amazing, all because of that water. Now, some ways to help grow in knowing and understanding of how Jesus can help you share his good news with everyone around you is, well, spending time with him, pray, praying, reading your Bible, talking to other people who love Jesus and asking their advice. And he'll help you know how to share his good news, his love to all the people around you. All right, boys and girls, I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. And I am so excited for you that you get to go back to school tomorrow. Stay happy. Bye. Continue to worship together. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name.
sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. Sing, I, I count on one thing. I count on one thing. God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will. I choose to Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I I choose, I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against. Yes, I will lift you high. In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your day. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will. When I call on your name, you answer. 
When I fall, you are there by my side. You delivered me out of darkness. Now I stand in the hope of new I see you and love came down and rescued 
thank you, yes I thank you, I once was blind but now I see. I'm free, you rescued me, all I am is yours, by grace I'm free, you rescued me, all I am is yours, I found love greater than life itself. I found a hope stronger and nothing compares. I once was lost, now I'm alive in you. I found a love greater than life itself. I found a hope stronger and Nothing compares I once was lost Now I'm alive In you Thank you Lord Jesus for your love For your great love You are love for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross to give us hope and a new life. Lord God, please help us. We need your help every day. And it can be so hard with all the different things going around. You know, these are different times that we're in and very easily worry and and God it can just be hard but help us to fix our eyes on you to trust in you please give us the strength that we need help us to remember the good things that you've done in our lives back on the past and remember how you've come through and how you've been faithful and to keep moving so we lift up this day to you we love you we pray these things in your name Lord Jesus Amen Our scripture reading this morning is found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16.
For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, so when those who were hired first came, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. A few years ago, when I was finishing my graduate studies, I got to know one of the students in particular who was somewhat competitive and so a friendly rivalry was established between us in terms of grades. With each assignment, we would compare our grades when we got our grades back, which most often they would be pretty much exactly the same. Now, while our grades were similar, our approach to our assignments was very different. I'm the type of student that has to work really hard to get the grades that I want. So I plan out my assignment schedule. I start my research well ahead. It takes me a great deal of time to write what I want to say in the way that I want to say it. He, on the other hand, could start an assignment a day or two ahead and somehow pull off the same grade as me. Now, I have to confess this really bothered me on many occasions because I thought, it's just not fair. It's not fair. Why did I have to spend so much more time and work so much harder than he did on an assignment and in the end, end up with exactly the same grade? 
The message of our culture is this. If we work hard, if we invest the time, if we pursue our dreams, eventually we will be rewarded for our investment. That's the message that we're told. Some call it the American dream. Now, while this message is somewhat true, we have learned that most often it's not true. That hard work and time invested is often not enough to secure the reward that we seek. That many, many around our world work hard and they invest time, but never reap what they're seeking. They're held back because of poverty or a lack of access to education. Some are held back by gender or ethnicity or the color of their skin. Some are held back by their sexual orientation. And so this work hard and invest the time and you will reap the reward, this whole promise doesn't really work for most people around our world. Now, sadly, in my opinion, this message has made its way into Christianity, that if we work hard for God, if we give God our time, then we'll be rewarded accordingly. And let me just say, there's no doubt that the Bible promises reward to those who are faithful. So we're, not, we're not questioning that. But Jesus made it very clear that reward in the kingdom of God is not based merely on human effort. No one earns their reward because reward in God's kingdom is not earned. Now, last week, we launched a new sermon series entitled, It's About Time. It's About Time. And we said that the Bible deals with the theme of time in many places and from varying perspectives. And so last week, when we started, we dealt with time from the perspective of hardship, specifically when time keep, seems to keep going without any changes taking place. Today, we're going to be considering time from the perspective of reward as we consider the parable here of the vineyard workers. And we're going to be reminded today that in the kingdom of God, reward is not based on time spent on human effort, but solely on the compassion and generosity of God. And so Jesus makes it clear that in the kingdom of God, things are reversed. And the sentence that he used was that the last would become first, and the first would become last. There's a reversal that happens when you understand the kingdom. So I want to start this morning with the context of our scripture. As always, we can best understand the message of any scripture when we understand the context of that scripture. What was happening at the time? Who was present when it took place? Who it is that's speaking? Why they were saying what they were saying, who they were saying it to. These are all useful insights to understand the context and the message of what any particular scripture wants to say to us. Now, what comes before a scripture will often provide information to help us unlock the intended message that follows. 
And this is very much the case with the vineyard workers. Now, just let me say this for free. Sometimes when a chapter in our Bible ends and a new one starts, we just automatically assume that what was going on in the previous chapter is now over, and now we're moved into a new chapter. But you need to understand, when the Bible was written, verses and chapters were not a part of it. That was added later so that we could reference and find things more quickly, and sometimes ideas and context is divided by numbers, even though the same thought is continuing. And that's exactly what we see here. In the previous chapter, Matthew 19, we read about Jesus' encounter with a rich man who came to Jesus with a question. And the question was this, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? In other words, what can I do? How should I invest my time in order to earn the eternal reward I seek? Now, Jesus, in response, first of all, zeroed in on the word good. And he said, well, there really is only one that's good, and that's God. So a good place to start is to keep his commandments. And the man replied, well, which commandments specifically? And so Jesus referenced a couple of them for him. And the man said, well, I've done these. I've already invested hard work. I've already given time to these. What am I still missing? And Jesus replied, if you want treasure in heaven, you need to surrender your treasure on earth and give it to the poor. When the young man heard this, we're told, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had a lot to give up. It's not fair. Why should I have to give up my wealth to get my eternal reward? Now, it's important for us to understand that Jesus was not saying here that it's impossible to have wealth and have eternal reward. The point was this. The man was more committed to his wealth than he was to the principles of the kingdom of God. His wealth was actually holding him back. And so Jesus said, wealth makes eternal life difficult because wealth can be so consuming. And so when the disciples heard Jesus respond to this young man and the things that Jesus said, well, they're just at a moment of loss. They're, they're astonished. They're concerned and they're confused because they lived at a time when it was believed, as it is with many people today, I might say, that wealth and possessions were a sign of God's blessing, of God's favor. The more wealth you had, more clearly God was rewarding you, so you must have been doing things really right. And on the reverse of that, if you didn't have a lot of wealth, well, you just weren't really spiritually uh, meeting the expectations. And so therefore, rich people were perceived as being more spiritual in many cases, more committed to God because of the demonstration of their wealth. And so the disciples responded, well, who then can be saved if the rich who are obviously pleasing God, won't receive their eternal reward, how are we, who are poor, how are we ever going to make it? How are we ever going to make it? And then Peter, speaking on behalf of the disciples, said to Jesus a very profound sentence and question. He said, we have left everything, everything to follow you. What then will be in it? For us. What's in it for us? It's not fair, Jesus. We have given you everything. We've given you our effort. We've given you our time. We've given you our lives. What's in it for us? 
And Jesus responded that there's a day coming when the kingdom of God is going to come in its fullness. And in that kingdom, Jesus was telling them that he would be the king in that kingdom and he's going to reign over everything. And those who are faithful to him, who follow him, will reign with him then. And Jesus said, whatever you have sacrificed, your family, your possessions, your careers, will repeat, be, you know, repaid to you a hundred times. Now, let's not take that literally, where Jesus is sitting down with a calculator and measuring each person and, and literally making it a hundred times. The point is this. It may seem unfair that you've had to work so hard to sacrifice so much, that you have given so much of your time, but God will not be indebted. You will be rewarded. Because in the kingdom of God, reward is not based on the time spent on human effort, but on the compassion and the generosity of God. Secondly, then, we hit chapter 20, where we enter into the parable, which is a follow-up. Jesus then begins to tell them a story to help them understand what it is he's been saying to them through this conversation. And he began with these words, the kingdom of God is like. This is an example. He says there's a landowner who owns a vineyard and it's harvest time. And so to gather in the harvest, he needs extra hands. Unemployment was a continual problem in this culture. And so, you know, if you were a servant, you were actually in a good situation because if you were someone's servant, well, they were taking care of you. They, they were investing in you because they benefit, you know, your life benefited the, the master directly and they wanted to make sure that you were okay. And so, and oftentimes a servant or a slave in this culture was more cared for than, than some of the common workers. But day workers, like those in the story, were viewed as being less valuable even than a servant because no one was looking after them. They needed work so they could feed their families. And so day workers would gather together and wait in the market. Those who needed day laborers would go to the market and hire them most often for a 12-hour shift, which was considered a full day's work from sunup to sundown. In this particular story, the master went and he hired workers at 6 a.m., which was the start of the day, and offered to pay them a denarius, which we understand to be the equivalent of minimum wage for a full day's work. It was a day worker's wage. And so it was fair. Later, he realized that he needed additional help. He didn't bring enough people, and so he went back to the market at 9 o'clock, and then we're told he went back again at noon, and then he went back again at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and five, finally at 5 o'clock, with one hour before the end of the workday, he went back one final time and offered to pay them what would be considered to be fair. An hour later at 6 p.m., the end of the workday, he gathered them together, now, in my mind, I envision, uh, you know, them standing in a line, starting with those who came at five, and then those who came at three, and noon, and nine, and so on, right down to, to those who came first. 
we read in the Old Testament in Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 24 that day laborers were to be paid at the end of the workday. It wasn't going to be like, well, you work for me and I'll pay you in a week or two. No, if you work today, you get paid today. And so it's, paid, it's time to pay. And so he gave those who work for an hour a denarius, a full day's pay. They only worked an hour, but he gave them a full day's pay. And as the master worked his way down the line, he did the same for all of them. The three o'clock, the noon, the nine, all the way down, regardless of where they started or when they started. Those who had come at 6 a.m. observed what was happening as it was coming down the line. And so in their minds, there's visions of sugar plums dancing in their heads because they can only imagine that if the person that, that hardly worked got that, well, man, it's going to be great for us. But that's not what happened. When it got to them, they also got the denarius. And so they're upset, and they voiced their, their upset. And they said to the master, it's not fair. We worked all day in a hot sun, and you gave those who worked only one hour the same reward as us. It's not fair. And the master responded, well, I'm not being unfair. I promised you that I would pay you a denarius, a day's pay for 12 hours work. And I have given you exactly what I promised. And if I want to be generous and give the others the same as I promised you, well, quite frankly, that's my business, not yours. And so he then called them envious. And the word envious literally means evil eye. He's saying, you guys have evil eyes. It was an expression in this culture about greed. When one wants what another person has, when their eyes are fixed on somebody else and they're seeing what's happening in the life of somebody else and they want what that person has. Jesus says, you're envious. Jesus told them this story to reiterate that reward in the kingdom is different than the culture's view. That reward-driven people will end up last and obedient, obedience-driven people will end up first regardless of how long they've been around. Because in the kingdom of God, reward is not based on time spent and human effort, but on the compassion and the generosity of God. Now, as we conclude this message this morning, there are three brief illustrations, or observations rather, that I'd like to focus on from our text today. The first one is envy. We said the word envy is an expression of greed, to want what another person has, to have your eyes fixed on material things, earthly treasure. Envy is most often demonstrated in two keys, key ways. We it's either demonstrated in complaining or in resentment. We complain and we resent when we compare our lives, our situation, to the lives and the situations of others. And we come to the conclusion that we have somehow been ripped off. When we look around and we see what's happening with others and compare it to our own lives, somehow we got ripped off. We tend to spend a lot of time calculating. A lot of time adding up what we have in comparison to what others have. And we often come to the conclusion that it's not fair. It's not fair. Why do we struggle when good things happen to other people? Why is it that we 
calculate so much? Why are we so displeased at someone else's success? Why does that bother us so much that someone else has more than we do? Well, I believe the answer to that is simply a sense of entitlement that we all struggle with from time to time. We want it. We want it now. And we want at least as much as other people have. And like in the parable, envy redirects our focus away from the truth and the reality and creates this culture of entitlement of what I want and what I think I deserve and what I've come to expect. Envy causes us to focus on the here and now, to live in the moment. And in doing so, we lose sight of the bigger picture. Envy causes us to trade our focus on eternal reward based on God's grace and mercy and compassion and generosity for earthly, temporary, material, and physical reward. And so rather than doing that, we should be celebrating the success of others. We should be happy that others are succeeding and cared for rather than being envious. A second thing we see is here is community. I believe nothing destroys community faster than selfishness. Whether that community is a church, or it's your family, or it's where you work, or it's a team of, that you're on, selfishness breeds complaining and entitlement and comparison and putting others down to elevate ourselves. And so if as followers of Jesus, we are primarily concerned about our own preferences, our own needs, our own comfort, our own priorities above the needs and preferences and comforts and priorities of others, I want to say this morning that the church will never be what the church was intended to be. If members of our families are focused on what they want and what they need above the needs of others in the family, well, that family will not be functional. If members of a workplace or a team are focused on inconvenience and desires and plans and priorities and needs, that workplace will become a dysfunctional environment. You see, because community can only exist when other members of the community become more important than any one single person. When the community as a whole becomes more important than any one single person. Any quest to be first in a community will make us last and risk destroying the community in the process. So I, my encouragement to us this morning is to strive to strengthen our communities. And we can do that best by putting the needs of others above our very own needs. We are in our communities, whatever community that is, to serve, not to be served. And then finally, we see reward. Like Peter, we often find ourselves asking the same question. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Jesus, I've given my life to you. I am your follower. I am committed. I have sacrificed for you. What's in it for me? 
May I remind us today that when Jesus returns and the kingdom comes in fullness, we will reign with him forever. Now, there will likely be times when we will lose focus of that and say, well, it's not fair, Jesus. I've, I've given so much of my efforts and so much of my time. And after investing all of that and giving so much, I find myself, I've lost my job. Or I just discovered and been told that I have cancer. Or my marriage is crumbling. Or my kids are addicted. Or I'm in debt. Someone I love has died. Someone I love is struggling with mental health issues. Or my health is failing. I have given everything to you, and yet these things are happening to me. It's not fair. It's not fair, Jesus. I thought if I trusted you that I would be exempt from these things. What then is in it for me? Why, why is this worthwhile at all? Like the vineyard workers, sometimes our expectations are beyond what Jesus promised. Jesus teaches us that the kingdom of God is breaking in, but that the kingdom of evil exist as well here on this earth together at the present time. Both are real. And that pain and death and hate and sin and brokenness are a reality because evil still exists. The, you know, I, I hear people say all the time, why, why? Well, we live in a sinful, broken world and these are a part of being in a sinful, broken world. But somehow within that pain and somehow within the death and the sin and the hate and the brokenness, Jesus is with us. Somehow in the midst of all of that, the Holy Spirit is empowering us. Somehow, despite all of that, God is sovereign over us. The Bible teaches us that life is hard, that sin hurts both the believer and the unbeliever alike. But that a day is coming when the king is coming back and our reward will be with him. And we're told in scripture, our reward is not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy, Titus 3.5. We're not here to be served. We're not here to be doted on. We're not here to be excluded from the painful reality of life. We're here to serve as Jesus served and to suffer as Jesus suffered. Believing that in God's kingdom, our reward will come and it will be based on his compassion and his generosity. Not because somehow we've invested the work and the time to deserve it. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. So as I conclude this morning, I want to encourage us. Let's celebrate the success of others, the, you know, the accomplishments of others, the state of the goodness in other people's lives. And let's be happy when others are succeeding rather than comparing and being envious. Let's strive to strengthen whatever community we find ourselves in even the community at large, by putting the needs of others above our own. If there was ever a time in our culture 
when our culture needed us as believers to put the needs and concerns of others above our own, I believe it's in the day that we're living. And let's remember that in the kingdom of God, reward is not based on time spent on human effort, but solely on the compassion and the generosity of God. Father, would you lead us? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you more and more. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Oh.